This is the Yanks Go Yard Podcast with Adam Weinrib and Thomas Carinante. Welcome to a Monday edition of the Yanks Go Yard Podcast. I'm Adam Weinrib alongside Thomas Carinante. Man, pretty slow weekend. Not much going on, I guess. Series against the Reds, low expectations. Playing the Reds is pretty fun. Oh, wait. He's DFA'd Aaron Hicks on Saturday in the middle of the day, like two hours before the game, neutering uh, 18 hours of conversation that was like, oh, we traded for Greg Allen. That's pretty interesting. I wonder what the corresponding move is there. Willie Calhoun sending Jake Bowers down and send a reliever back. No, it's Aaron Hicks. We're eating $27.5 million or so to send him packing, ending the career of the longest tenured New York Yankee on the current roster. That's true. And it's crazy. So we're going to talk about it today. We're going to talk a little bit about, uh, you know, the good, the bad of Hicks's career, mostly bad, but only since the extension has it been that bad. What's next for him? Is this the last player on this roster making major money that the Yankees are going to decide they are willing to eat the cash for? Is somebody else on the current roster getting L's buried? And we'll talk about the sweep at large, because by the way, it, it's fun to win games. And, and the New York Yankees are now 14 and six in May. Since they blew that 6 nothing lead in Tampa and we came on the podcast saying, why are we even doing this? What's the point? Today is the day that it sort of breaks, you know, it broke me. I was like, well, I don't want I don't want to talk about this and I do not want to talk about this team. They're 11 and three <laughs> and they did the same thing to Tampa's ace. But it does not get better than that. So we'll talk about it all. And you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Please drop us a sub on the podcast platforms, a like on this video, if you like it, we'll be on uh, YouTube live every Monday, every Thursday, 2 o'clock Eastern. Uh, you can find us here now. You can find us here then. Uh, Thursday, we'll be right back talking about more Yankees after they start their series with the Baltimore Orioles. And we'll get into the questions. And I'm sure, I think, first and foremost, the question in everybody's mind is sort of what Angelo threw into the chat. He's had a lot of opportunities to do this. Why do they do it now? It's not like they're saving significant money by doing it now. And maybe they're... Look, we'll get into it. It's it was obviously the right move. Should have been done in the offseason. Should probably have been done last year. Uh, but what's done is done. And Aaron Hicks is no longer a problem on this roster. And Thomas Carinante, you got an offer for the folks. And I think the betting lines may have just shifted a little bit now that Hicks will no longer be a part of the equation. I wonder. But hey, everyone, uh, this is for the folks in New Jersey and Connecticut. Uh, DraftKings is here. We got an awesome limited time promo for all new users who want to head over to DraftKings. Either uh, download the app or uh, go to DraftKings.com. If you deposit money and place a $5 or more wager on any sport, you instantly get $150 in bonus bets added to your account, whether you win or lose the bet. Would have had a hell of a weekend if you were betting on the Yankees. You just kept rolling over the money. Um, But all you have to do is when you're signing up, this is for first-time users, don't forget that. Um, you got to use the code YanksGoYard when you're at the sign-up page, um, and you'll re- redeem the offer. Um, using that code is a great way to support us um, and the podcast. Uh, we appreciate all the help, everybody coming in here to comment, reading our content, all that. But here's another way if you want to hit the trifecta, reading, listening, and now gambling. Um, so if you don't yet have a DraftKings account, do us a solid. Head on over there, sign up, use the code YanksGoYard, and place that first bet. Lots of stuff going on, lots of fun bets to make. Uh, we can advise, I think, if you have any, you know, hit us up in the chat. We'll let you know. Um, this is for new customers only. Once again, you must be 21 and older and physically, impre- uh, physically present in New Jersey or Connecticut. Please gamble responsibly. If you have a gambling problem and you're in New Jersey, call 1-800-GAMBLER. If you're in Connecticut, call 888-789-7777. This is valid one offer per customer. Do not forget that. It's a minimum $5 deposit and $5 wager required. Rewards are issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets and expire seven days after being awarded. So you got to have a hell of a week of gambling. See full terms at DraftKings.com. Um, what were the odds on Aaron Hicks getting released this year? Because we were sitting here, and Angelo's right. We're sitting here. We're wondering when it's going to happen. He has an OPS plus of four a couple weeks ago. He was in the uh, negatives at some point. You were yeah. truly like, I don't know how you could be 110% worse than the average baseline player, but he was. There was a time when he was that. Negative three? Yeah. Uh, negative crazy. Three. Uh, hey, he got it up to 47 over the last couple of weeks. And look, Easting. ultimately, the right move. No one's going to argue with it, but funny timing. Once again, you waited out. You let this guy suffer. And I uh, have openly been sympathetic to Hicks, too. It's been terrible for him. 
at some point I was saying, just play him on the road. If you're going to keep him, don't worry about playing him at home. There's he could play, you get good part-time reps playing on the road. He doesn't have to get in his own head. Finally, I don't know what happens. They come, Aaron Boone comes up with a solution, integrating him into the lineup over the last couple of weeks, gets his stats up. He was, I think his last 20 at bats, he was batting like 350 and was OPSing over a thousand. And then you make the call. Okay. I'm not going to say you don't, you shouldn't make the call there, but uh, just bizarre timing because we had already hit rock bottom. Um, and then I think that rock plowed through the floor and went to the center of the earth. And we witnessed the absolute worst of this situation. The Yankees decided to still hang on for dear life. And then they cut him loose for Greg Allen. Uh, not necessarily going to disagree with that, but you thought a bigger move was coming in the off season especially when they said they weren't done after the Carlos Rodon deal. It's like, great, now Hicks is gone. We're going to get another outfielder. Life is good. Um, turns out they swap fringe major league talent for fringe major league talent. Um, I don't get it, but again, Hicks had to go. Um, I hope he's in a better place where he could start fresh now. I hope this helps close the chapter for the Yankees. That's largely been painful. But yeah, it happened, and that certainly uh, overshadowed the discourse um, of this, what four game win first four game winning streak of the season, and the Yankees have an MLB best record, fourteen and six in the month of May. So that hell stretch, uh, that hell stretch, we were sitting here kind of complaining about the no days off, not too bad. No, it turns out they're good at that. I, I guess maybe we just keep sending them into four game series against the other best teams in the AL East, and that's how you sort it out. Uh, I, I mean, I can't believe, I can't believe that Brian Cashman actually would think that like. All right, Aaron Hicks had a good seven games. Now is the best time to DFA him because there's a chance that someone's going to pick up the remaining $27 million. You think that was the thinking? I mean, I guess there is a slight chance of that happening, but like it's so slight, it's imperceptible. Like if no team wanted him this offseason at $30 million, which is what they're claiming, that's why he was still on the New York Yankees. Because if somebody wanted him this offseason, he would be on that team. Like if it required the Yankees not paying down much of his yeah. contract, then he would have been a Dodger instead of Jason Hayward. Then he would have been a Rocky because the Rockies do all sorts of dumb stuff. Maybe maybe pair Hicks with Chris Bryant, and, and that's a guy on the right. Or he would have been a salary match for, for a big unwieldy deal that nobody else wanted. But the issue was that he had not played well since tearing his wrist sheath in 2021. A lot of the revisionist history on Hicks is going to be this guy always sucked. Not true. Not true. Uh, he was a genuinely great player in 2017 and 2018. If you don't want to go great, that's fine. But in terms of the advanced stats and in Very terms good major of leaguer. weighted performance, he's one of the best center fielders <clears throat> in 2017, 2018. 2019 starts taking steps back, ultimately plays through an elbow injury that requires Tommy John. Um, the Yankees extended it before that season. So year one of the extension goes eh. But some of the most uh, memorable Hicks moments of all time are also in that season. Uh, the Twins game where he homers to give him the lead late. The Earl's Chapman blows the save. Of course, he had long dives into the gap to save that game with two outs and bases loaded with Chad Green on the mound. And Max Kepler, his rumored replacement at the plate. We will not be getting Max Kepler. Spoiler alert, that's not happening anymore. Um, and then the homer off Verlander, which if you want to be a sourpuss about it, I get it. And I, I've kind of had a sourpuss about that moment, too, because I do think there are some moments in this non-dynasty with no championships and no World Series appearances that young Yankee fans have blown out of proportion. Where yeah. like, uh, I mean, the Didi home run in the wildcard game genuinely kickstarted that run, which was they were up 3-2 in the ALCS. I think it's completely fine to lionize that moment and DFI Didi Gregorius. But a three-run home run off Verlander in a game where the Yankees barely hung on to send a series to Houston where they choked is like one of the worst losses in team history. So that moment doesn't mean much to me. Shout out to Aaron Hicks for gutting through the injury, obviously. Um, and I'll never forget that it happened, but I don't exactly go back and watch highlights of down 3-1 after losing back-to-back -back home games to the Houston Astros. Yankees had a golden opportunity on their plate in that 2019 ALCS, and they blew it, and they blew it again. And then right after they were about to permanently blow it, Hicks stepped up and you know did some damage against a Verlander hanger. But um, he, he had his moments mostly in 17 and 18, some in 19. 2020, the advanced metrics say he was fine. Uh, you watched the 2020 season. It was like a month and a half long, and he wasn't very good. 
Um, and then 2021, though, he tears that wrist sheath, and it's basically all over for him, unfortunately. Um, and that's that's what must objectively be said, right? Aaron Hicks, good player. Brian Cashman gets him to put pen to paper. What we heard was that there were no center fielders coming down the pike who would equate Hicks's production. So if you can get him for $10 million a year for this stretch, we get it. The counter argument is there were plenty of free agents available. Brandon Nimmo was a free agent. That was a pretty good one. You never know what the market's going to look like in 2022 in 2019 when you're signing hicks it's not easy to predict the market and the yankees did not do a very good job of it also sure you managed to get him for a 10 million dollars a year that's a bargain it's cheaper than what nimmo's being paid but these are the yankees they don't need to be finding bargains they need to be acquiring the best talent so there were several years there where you were like actually hicks on his current contract's a pretty good value play he's the 13th best player and they're paying him like he's the 20th and it's like they could just pay the second best player, second best player money. They could pay Bryce Harper to play for the New York Yankees. Instead, they sort of found an inroad to paying Aaron Hicks less and selling it as we got 75% of the value of a better player for 30% of the cost. And it's like, all right, but unless you're invested in the Yankees saving 70% of the cost, then why should you really care? And sort of karmically, it all came clattering down at that same point. And for several years now, Hicks has been one of the worst regular players in baseball. Yeah, and the, no one ever, no one ever blamed Aaron Hicks for signing this deal, right? Or I mean, maybe somebody did, but we didn't. Um, Seven-year deals, objectively crazy. Aaron Judge has a nine-year deal. He's the one of the best players in baseball. If you're giving out a deal in excess of five years, it's got to be a cornerstone player, in my opinion. I'm sure a decent amount of people would agree with that. It's got to be someone who is not injury-prone. Hicks literally the definition of injury prone, especially before his arrival in New York, um, dating back to his days in the minor leagues uh, when he was coming up with the twins. And most of all, this was against Yankees policy. The Yankees don't do contract extensions. They famously don't do them. They famously wait, let or make their play. They famously let and make Aaron judge wait until free agency. So yeah. they why talk did. to him? Why talk to Aaron Judge yeah. before you have to? It's not worth it. Don't do it. But they picked the right Aaron. Yeah. Um, but this is against Yankees policy. It's a deal where they're trying to get ahead of something they don't necessarily need to get ahead of. Um, it's with an injured player who's entering his age at that point, 29 season. So then you're signing him through his mid 30s. Um, I don't think Aaron Hicks had a whole ton of leverage in the negotiation process. Um, so I don't know why the Yankees felt the need to coax him to sign a seven year deal. Um, look, it is what it is. The man secured his money. This only became an issue when it was evident. The relationship was deteriorating from every single angle, right? You had the body language, you had the commentary third game of the season. He's talking to the media about his role last year. He has the incident with, um, uh, the defensive miscue against the Rays and the fans booing him. Um, last year, heading into the season, he was all gung-ho about the Yankees' new have some FU slogan, and then mm. it couldn't have been less underwhelming from him and the rest of the team. So that's when people started to say, you know what, just get the guy off the team. It's not working out. It's clearly eroding whatever other chemistry we have. There's no sense in having this be the headline, th these be the headlines on blogs in the New York Post when – we have Aaron Judge. We have Giancarlo Stanton. We have Garrett Cole. Why are we focusing on someone like Aaron Hicks getting booed by the crowd incessantly? So that was where the tipping point was for most fans. It's like, it's 30 million bucks. Get rid of it. Save yourself this headache that's going to cost you so much in the media um, and obviously cost somebody else's career. Hicks, th th this is not a place to kind of resurrect your career. If you're not, you know, the, a star player conditioned to this type of stuff, um, New York's a very difficult place to play. You saw what happened with Joey Gallo. Uh, I don't, I don't think we need to relive that. But to keep Hicks here for that much longer than they needed to, I think, was detrimental for everybody. Most importantly, the person. So I'm glad that maybe he can get a fresh start now. Uh, I do wonder if someone picks that up though. It's not the most money in the world, and I think. There is theoretically a need for a switch hitting outfielder who can play in mul multiple positions, but I'm not banking on it. If Brian Cashman actually thinks that, then poor guy. 
Well, it's extremely silly because it's it's thirty million dollars entering the season. It's it, the facts and figures that they owe him twenty seven point six million dollars, um, and you know that's a good, it's a good deal of money, but it's not one year. It's not a lump sum. You're spreading it across the next couple of years. So they owe him, I don't know, ten million dollars next year. They would have owed him ten million dollars to play for the team next year, and he yeah. played like shit this year and last year and the year before. So. I would ra- if I'm gonna have to pay him the money, I'd rather pay it to him for him to not be on the roster and and just let him out, let him loose. Um, he's been here long enough that the bad years are outweighing the good and have led people to forget that he ever was mm-hmm. talented and effective, which is again an objective truth. If you were here in 2017 and 2018, you know it. They unlocked a former top prospect in baseball, turned him into a 25 homer a year bat with good defense for 20 games of John Ryan Murphy their third catcher in 2015. It's a great trade, but Cash then God. Cashman goes and extends him and it's a terrible extension. Um, and not, yeah, Cash God, then not Cash God. And now what is it? What are we doing again? We're DFAing him. Um, I, I'm looking at the Dodgers just because they've, how often have the Dodgers picked up other teams' worst players in recent years? And spoiler alert, they haven't really paid off. They, like Jason Hayward sitting under 200, uh, but they still claim that they're fixing people and they're solving people. And if you told the Cubs that after they non-tendered Jason Hayward, the best team in the national league is going to pick him right up. You would have laughed in their faces, but they did it. Um, so they always need outfield help. They've been playing Mookie Betts in the infield. They've been playing Chris Taylor everywhere. Maybe, you know, Aaron Hicks again, not very good at this point in time coming off his best week of the last three seasons, but maybe he's a Dodger either way. Kind of crazy to even think about. Um, and who's next? Like, can we wrap our minds around Josh Donaldson getting, DFA'd in the not so distant future again because if we're if we're doing this to get Greg Allen on the roster it's not like they're going to easily jettison Greg Allen off the roster they wanted Greg Allen for speed versatility he's look he's he's mid as the kids say but he's certainly a better ball player than Aaron Hicks right now um so Giancarlo Stanton's going to come back at some point Josh Donaldson's theoretically going to come back at some point unless he sliced his finger off in this at-home accident but you're going to have to get rid of Willie Calhoun at, at some point for these two people to come back. And Jake Bowers is going to have to get demoted. I don't think they're going to have to DFA Bowers to get him down there. I assume he's got options left, um, but I know Calhoun doesn't. It was a surprise to even get Calhoun through spring training. So now that they've eaten money once, uh, I mean, you you found an interesting tidbit that Donaldson thinks he's getting Ellsburyed. He's on the Ellsbury plan. So like if they're going to pay him to not play, are we sure they wouldn't also DFA him? Because his money doesn't spread over the next couple of years. You get rid of Donaldson now, you don't see this money ever again. Hicks's goes through the next two seasons, so it's spread out a little bit, the financial windfall. They're paying Josh Donaldson a ton of money this year not to play, so you know, are you going to pay him a bunch of money to wedge him back onto the roster when he's healthy? Is he healthy now? We don't know. And he missed all that time to get back on track, which Aaron Boone was so confident would happen. Um, yeah. yeah, David Rifkin, who was at the welcome home dinner, I guess it was last week or two weeks ago, um, said Donaldson said to me at the welcome home, home dinner that they have him on, quote, the Ellsbury rehab timeline. He's pretty sure they're paying him to stay away. I don't know how true that is, but we did write an article last week wondering if the Yankees were Jacoby, Jacoby Ellsburying him because of the injury at home. You look back on the rehab, right? Walk, he literally jogging to first base, gets injured. They rush him in a rehab assignment when they don't need to rush him back. He clearly wasn't ready. He couldn't run. He could not run. I mean, the team said he wasn't ready or he said he was. Somebody said he wasn't ready and he was playing. So it's like, okay, why is this happening? Then he gets set back even longer. Then you see him in the Yankees dugout. I don't know why he would be in the Yankees dugout instead of rehabbing getting back up to speed with his injured hamstring. Then you have, he cuts his hand, was uh, uh, putting together an easy bake oven, perhaps cuts his hand open. Um, Juggling knives, yeah. your classic <laughs> mistake. Now we're here. Um, it is worth wondering, but this is why, this is why I love Yankees Twitter. That's why I love Yankees Twitter. You start Cashman's trending again. Who knows why <laughs> it's either fuck Brian Cashman or Brian Cashman's a God at finding low level pitching prospects. It's great. But of course, you have a tweet from a person who I don't care to expose, but the tweet is 
Josh Donaldson, we all hate him. Historically bad trade by Cashman, but let's think practically. At third base is DJ. Be honest, 737 OPS, dot, dot, dot. Bench has light-hitting IKF, Greg Allen, and Willie Calhoun. The depth of the Yankees is so bad, cutting Donaldson makes no sense. Okay. Cutting Donaldson makes no sense. So if you have a bench of IKF, Greg Allen, Willie Calhoun, you want to add another bat to the bench that doesn't hit in Josh Donaldson. He has or you want to bench, do you want to bench DJ LeMahieu? Yeah. Is that what you're you saying? Bench, yeah. Are you saying a 737 OPS from DJ LeMahieu is not enough? Um, 737 OPS is fine. I think if you're OPSing in 720 or above and you're a starting player on a good team, I, that's, that's probably okay. At this point, we've, realize we're not getting the 2019-2020 DJ LeMahieu anymore, but his glove at third base is just as good as Donaldson. He gets he actually gets clutch hits. He goes in spurts of being hot, and it's very helpful for the Yankees offense that can go quiet in those in those times and have these frustrating stretches where they are losing, you know, they would you watch a series against the Reds, Reds this week. If the Yankees are a notch below where they were performing offensively, they lose two of two of those games, and you want to punch a hole in the wall. So now we're going to argue that DJ LeMahieu's offense isn't good enough, and welcoming back Josh Donaldson to the fold is going to somehow improve this offense. And what evidence do you have of that? Donaldson in 132 games last year, 682 OPS, 148 strikeouts, 94 OPS plus. He's needed the beginning of this season to get back on track, to ramp up. Now you're going to bring him back in June, mid-June, and he's going to take another month to get back on track because you don't just come back from a two-plus-month layoff and start swinging the bat like it's the middle of an MVP season. And what's the conversation going to be at this point? Oh, they should have cut him two months ago when they had the chance or when he was already injured and they had the opportunity, you know, and now they have a crowded roster and it's going to be complicated. If the Yankees are even thinking about doing this, they should just do it. If fans are even questioning why they might do it, then I have no faith in anybody anymore intellectually, because this was something that everybody agreed upon. I don't, you look at this, the, the different, you know, sects of Yankees, Twitter, and there are people who will defend someone like Hicks, right? There are people who will defend Garrett Cole when he has a bad start. There are people who will defend Giancarlo Stanton when he's oft injured. And you always have the other ends of the spectrum of these arguments. Nobody has defended Josh Donaldson once. I think it, the only point, the only aspect that he's had to in his corner when fans have defended him was like, well, his defense is really good, so that's great. But guess what? Now they've replaced the defense. You've seen DJ LeMahieu and IKF and even Oswaldo Cabrera at third for the last – Almost two months. Have you seen a difference? Not enough. Not enough for me to be concerned. Not enough for me to now lobby. We need Josh Donaldson back. So let's figure this out, guys, because this was the one thing we were all seemingly unified on, and now, now, now we have to have a discussion. He can't play the outfield. Like I, I don't think Willie Calhoun is like a long-term solution in the outfield, but you definitely need backups. Lefty bat. Play the too. outfield. You need a lefty bat. Oswaldo Cabrera. I mean, this is probably going to result in Oswaldo Cabrera getting demoted, to, to be perfectly honest with you, because he's not really contributing as much as he should be. And he's been an extremely effective utility piece, even while he's not hitting. But Isaiah kiner Falef is doing that. So that's apparently a left fielder now. Oswaldo Cabrera is OPSing 570. So the, the corresponding moves are probably demoting Bowers, who has shown a good deal so far. He He's struggling but that oppo homer into the left center bullpen cannot be ignored as far as I'm concerned. And when he, he either gets benched or leads off. So what is it? Do the Yankees believe that Jake Bowers is one of their four best hitters, or do they believe he's demotable in favor of Josh Donaldson? And then they don't want to DFA Willie Calhoun and lose him. They don't want to get rid of Greg Allen. So then it becomes, all right, Oswaldo Cabrera, well, see, enjoy AAA, and then you get sent to this weird purgatory and the same place where Oswald Peraza is and has been, honestly, since, you know, you could say since opening day, but also yeah. since last year when he gets called up and they're like, all right, well, you could pitch hit down 12-0 in the ninth against the Rays. Best of luck. 
Um, there's a lot of weird stuff going on and, and Donaldson getting DFA'd or now that I've seen Hicks get DFA'd, I feel like anything is possible here, but we'll have to figure it out. Um, oh, and by the way, the Yankees swept the Reds over the weekend. We're talking about uh, 26 minutes into the podcast. They played baseball over the weekend and they won yeah. all three of these games. The first one pretty easy. Uh, they're working with like no bullpen here, but still Nothing. because Hamilton's down and they can't use these guys on back-to-back days. So every day you have two of Wandy and Holmes and King available if you're lucky and Marinaccio. So every single day they're going to have to use like a Ryan Weber or Albert Abreu or uh, yeah, I mean, Nick, Nick Ramirez comes in and gets a save on Friday. And somehow Friday was still pretty easy. They, they pull away late. They take a 3-2 game. They turn it into a 6-2 laugher. Clark Schmidt, not a cheater. Uh, everybody wants to call Clark Schmidt a cheater. Um, he had glove fuzz on his wrist. The umpire said, quote, it wasn't sticky. So I don't really know what more you want from the umpire unless you want it. You put your tinfoil hat on and say this is a conspiracy, a Yankees cheating culture or whatever. You know how quick the umpires are to say when someone's hand is sticky. Domingo Herman and Max Scherzer the umpire said, these are the stickiest hands we've ever felt in our entire life. They love catching people. It's like their favorite thing to do. So if they said Clark Schmidt's hand was not sticky, then it probably was not sticky. And uh, Clark Schmidt, my favorite tweet going around over the weekend was the codified baseball guys doing how what percentage of Clark Schmidt curveballs were over 3,000 RPMs per start. Zero. And it was like 10%. 14%, 32%, 60%. So everybody was like, oh my God, the RPMs are going crazy. This man is clearly cheating. And then some people with brains went on his savant page and were like, he actually averages like 29,000, like 2,940 RPMs with his curveball and has obviously gotten it over 3K from time to time. So he also threw several over 3K after he washed his hands. He threw several under 3K with the black glove fuzz on his body. It's basically just a small, it, it basically indicates if you go from 2950 to 3000, it basically means like you got a little bit better. <laughs> it's like you sure. threw the ball a little bit harder. It just means you're getting a little better at baseball. It's not somebody jumping from 2500 to 3K. But of course, that tweet was uh, phrased in the most uh, damning way possible to make it look like Karkspitz is a huge cheater. And that's really all I have to say about that now if he gets caught with sticky stuff and he gets ejected oops i changed my tone but oops i make a mistake i have to go back and, and fix that but friday was pretty easy all things considered especially because it was a clark start the red jerseys not very good uh the super black jerseys with black letters and black fronts it just looks like black uh not ideal saturday's game they go down 4-1 early johnny Brito, not a big league starter at this point in time with his two pitches he gets demoted after the game for Sevy on sunday and they come right back. They get the 4-1 hole and IKF homers the very next inning, and they tie it up, hold them to extras. Look, am I am I celebrating an extra inning victory over the Cincinnati Reds? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I am, because they were 1-8 and eight in road extra inning games over the past two years, and now they have an extra win under their belt, and they pulled away, and they won at 7-4, and Ryan Weaver got the same. Again, major league competition, persevering on the road, not an easy game, and the difference between winning two out of three and sweeping this is huge. Then they go out and win yesterday. Severino looks awesome. Uh, hit 99 in his last inning of work. They are very judicious about 75 pitch limit. They pull him out of there right when he hits it. One out away from a victory. I'm sure he loved that. Um, he doesn't seem to like anything that they do to him, so I can't imagine he was pumped. But the bullpen comes through again, and Albert Abreu, Two and a third shutout in this series. Very efficient. Coming off, finishing the job in the Toronto series with the best inning of his season in the the, the game with no bullpen where him and Weber uh, ultimately shut the door. Who got the save? Oh, Marinaccio got a seven-pitch save in that game. Uh, they have no bullpen, and Abreu comes up huge three times in a four-game span. So you know what? I still think he's DFAable by end of year, but he caught my eye this weekend. I just want to give him a little hat tip. Yeah, should because we we've been on him and want him DFA'd. Another one of the guys, and look, I'm sure he'll get DFA'd when he's performing well because that's that's what that's what the Yankees will do. Maybe um, somebody will pick up Albert Abreu's expensive contract yeah. if they DFA him at the right time. <laughs> Two ridiculous talking points from this series. Um, 
One is from Yankees fans being dumb. The other is from everybody else being dumb. The sticky That's stuff. A, yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. the sticky stuff is sticky stuff was a problem when the usage of it became abusive. That was when the spider tack got introduced. This was when sticky stuff was always legal. And then teams like the Astros, sorry guys, pushed the boundaries, introduced the spider tack, kind of changed every it's all in the numbers. It's all in the RPMs. It's in the velocity. You see it all there. So and that was when there were no checks. There was there was no sticky checks. So you clearly could engage in nefarious behavior, get away with it, and nothing would happen. Now, we're going to target two of the Yankees' worst starters, <laughs> and we're going to claim that there is a cheating conspiracy because their hands were sticky using totally legal substances, which they were confirmed to be using. Um, you look back at the Max Scherzer situation. He had rosin and sweat. The umps told him to wash off, wash it off with alcohol. And alcohol makes it more sticky. Yep. So he followed the directions and got more sticky. I don't know what Domingo Herman was doing, but Domingo Herman is now not unhittable because he has a little bit of a tacky substance on his hand. And Clark Schmidt has a six ERA. So I'm not entertaining any discussion here. Um, if you're, uh, I guess, bending the rules for three innings with two bad starters and you manage to end up taxing your bullpen and getting suspended, then that's worse for you than it is for the other team. Sorry, Kevin Gossman, you're not going to get to redo the three innings and uh -oh. you should have just hit, you should have just hit the three worst relievers in the Yankees bullpen would have been a lot easier for you. Uh -oh. um, secondly, Yankees fans again, you know, Yankees cut the division lead or the division deficit. I'm sorry, down to five and a half games. It was 10 about a week and a half ago. Yeah. Um, and now everyone's like, well, you know, don't get too ahead of yourselves. The Yankees beat a bad team over the weekend. Well, what is it? Because last year, two years ago, even three years ago, what were the complaints? The Yankees aren't getting the job done against inferior talent. And now it's putting them in a bind at the end of the year. What happened with the 2021 wildcard year? If they beat the fucking A's or the Orioles one more time, they're hosting the wildcard game. Could have a totally different outcome. Now you beat the shit out of the A's. You handle business against the Reds with, like you just said, this bullpen. Albert Abreu, 4.24 ERA, 1.46 whip. Not good. That's a 5.13 FIP, even with that good performance as well. Ron Marinaccio, we love him. 4.09 ERA, 1.14 whip. Not the best. Jimmy Cordero was not expected to be this good. Ian Hamilton was not expected to be this good. He's also on the IL now. We're getting innings from Nick Ramirez, Ryan Weber, Greg Weissert's been here a few times. Um, so it's a little bit underwhelming. Clay Holmes, for as good as for as locked in as he's also been, I don't know if the ninth inning is for him. So there's a lot of there's a lot of complications here. And I think Aaron Boone's navigated it very well, but I can't be having people now complaining that we're beating the shit out of teams that suck and that we shouldn't be excited about cutting the division lead down by four and a half games after everyone was saying the division was lost at the beginning of May because the Rays were 27-7, and seven, winning at an ungodly pace, and now stuff's starting to normalize for the Rays a little bit. Not as much as we were hoping, but a little bit. And again, five and a half, much more manageable. And then, of course, all of you will complain about the Yankees almost shitting the bet on a 15-and-a-half game lead last year, which we complained about too, and now we're saying that 10 games is impossible – being back five and a half after getting through a gauntlet of a schedule is nothing to be excited about. So I don't know. I don't know what we're doing here, but when, for, when, <clears throat> yeah, tell me, I mean, when, when you say that the Yankees have cut a 10 game deficit to a five and a half game deficit, you're not saying, and therefore they're going to win the AL East. You're just saying that you were saying they were dead a week and a half ago when they were 10 back and now they're five and a half back. They're not dead. You can cut five games in a week and a half. They can do it. Will they do it? I'm not going to forecast that. And I understand that. Is that Rosillo? Is that wimpy? I mean, he's like doing half a hot take and then being like, but I'm not going to say that. I would never say that. Um, I mean, like I, I'm not confident enough in the Yankees to say they're going to win the AL East right now, but I am confident enough to say that a team with as much talent as the New York Yankees on this much of a heater with the Rays still on a heater can easily carve a five and a half game lead up and make it disappear. They just did half of that in a week and a half. And, uh, oh, they don't play the Rays anymore because the balanced schedule. So how are they going to do it in the head to head? They didn't cut any of it off in the head to head last week. They split. 
in the four gamer. So they made up the four and a half games without making any headway facing the actual team that they're chasing. So it's certainly possible. And, and if you say it's possible, that doesn't mean throw the parade. They did it. And that also doesn't mean the AL East winning the AL East is the be all end all, but it, it very, very uh, frustrating conversations going on. There's somebody whose name I will not mention who, when you go to their feed, the Yankees have a 14 and six record in May. You would basically have no idea they'd won a game in May because every tweet is just about the worst things they do in every game. The only tweets from this weekend were about when Aaron judge got sent prematurely and thrown out at the plate. And when Johnny Brito was struggling, the Yankees won all three of those fucking games. Yeah. And there was not a single tweet mentioning that they did anything positive. That's no way to live your life. I'm sorry. No, really bad. Get some help. Um, we'll help you. We'll try. Uh, People see, I know, like you look at the schedule too. It's like we made up all those games without facing the Rays. The Rays also had the easiest schedule to start the year out of anybody. 19 of their games were played against very bad teams. You want me to go down the list? Tigers, Nationals, A's, Reds, White Sox for seven games. And then they caught the Pirates just as the Pirates were on the downswing. I'm not saying they the got Pirates the Red bad. Sox. They got the Red Sox. They got the, the Red Sox. In their season. Yeah, they got the Red Sox in, the, in those four games when they're pitching and they're, their pitching was decimated. Um, the bats were not anywhere close to being he, to, to heating up. And the Rays went 17 and two in those games. Props to the Rays. They beat the shit out of bad teams and they put themselves in a great position. Now the Yankees will, you know, have their stretch of fortuitous play uh, fairly soon. And we'll see what they can do with it. And the schedule is not going to be that easy for the Rays moving forward. Um, we gave props and we gave a little farewell to Hicks. Made everybody remember that he wasn't as bad as he's been. Um, Albert Breu, clap, clap. Um, Aaron Boone gets my claps. I don't care if you don't like him. You know, we're frustrated with Aaron Boone a lot. We do not hide that. Um, I'm sure he knows it if he's ever read a Yanks Go Yard article. But um, 14 and 6 in May. A lot of his last bullpen mistake was now over a week ago. It was bringing a Brayu in with the bases loaded at home against the Rays in that finale. Promptly gave up a grand slam. We all knew it was going to happen. Since then, he's been navigating this stretch with obviously a lot of guys coming in and out of the lineup, experimenting with different people up top. Um, you know, you got Jake Bowers, Willie Calhoun, IKF getting regular reps. They're all kind of fitting into their roles and delivering when they can. You can't ask for every player who's in the starting lineup to be an all-star. Um, and then you have the starting rotation, Nestor Cortez, 5.21 ERA, five, uh, 4.51 whip, or uh, FIP. He's not having a great year. Um, Domingo Herman causing trouble again, also has been bad for half, good for half. Okay, Clark Schmidt, 6 ERA, and that's and Johnny Brito before he was optioned. That's that's four bad starters, really, or four four starters who at this point you're saying, okay, I don't know if they're going to give me a chance to win today. And that's been the story for most of them. And then you're navigating that with a bullpen who we had just mentioned, Albert Abreu, Ron Marinaccio, um, Ryan Weber, um, Jimmy Cordero, all these, uh, you know, some of these guys have exceeded expectations. Some of them are, are uh, you know, experiencing regression like Marinaccio. Um but all the buttons have been pressed properly over the last eight days, I would say. And uh, I think that any manager's job is tough when your team is not scoring runs, right? Every decision is even more mad. That was the problem with 2021. The team wouldn't score. Boone's job every night was exponentially more difficult because he had to make the right decision or else the team was absolutely fucked. And now teams scoring some runs. They're getting hits at opportune times. They're fighting back. All of a sudden, the job becomes a little bit easier. Not every decision is under a microscope. Not every decision or failed decision is on the back page. Um, we don't have to be complaining about Clay Holmes loading the bases yesterday and making that game against the Reds a little bit of a, of a tight butt cheeks one. Um, Aaron Boone's done a great job over this last week. And I, I mean, honestly, for the past 20 games, I think that for the, for the absolute most part, your manager is not going to be perfect. For us to be 14 and six with what we have right now, um, obviously props to the players for stepping up, but also Aaron Boone, who famously does not press the right buttons, has been putting guys in good situations, and I think that he deserves some credit for that. I agree, and I think best case scenario, look, you keep 
play out of the ninth yesterday. Maybe you flip flop him and Peralta, sure. but at the same time, three run lead in the ninth inning, you know, top of the Reds lineup coming up. I think I'm fine with my closer in there. My closer, like I think Clay Holmes should be able to hold a four one lead against the Reds. I don't yeah. think if he if he doesn't, I guess the criticism gets pretty loud. Maybe we have an unpleasant twenty four hours. It's yeah, Clay's it fault. is. It's not Boone's it fault. No, it is. Especially since his recent run of form, a lot of the good stuff has been in the ninth yeah. inning. You can people are the next time he struggles in the ninth inning, people are going to say, "Well, that wouldn't happen if he was pitching the seventh inning." And <laughs> you know, it's a fun argument because you'll just never yeah. know. You're allowed to say that because you'll just you'll never have the information because uh, that didn't happen. So you'll just be able to say that. And then if he struggles in the seventh, you'd be like, man, something out of whack with Clay. They should bring him back in the ninth. He really had that mojo going as a closer. Like you can always say whatever you want to say. Um, and and you'll you'll be able to speak in hypotheticals forever. Um, and if you're that kind of uh, person who reads the tea leaves and knows the future as well as the past, and you happen to live in New Jersey and Connecticut, we have an awesome limited time promo for new DraftKings users, only new users. Deposit plays a $5 or more wager on any sport to get $150 instantly added to your account in bonus bets, win or lose. All you have to do is use our code YanksGoYard at signup to redeem. That's at signup. When you're creating your account, drop our code YanksGoYard. That's how you're able to help out the podcast. It's a great way to support the show. So if you do not have a DraftKings account yet, I don't. I might do it. Do us a solid sign up with the code YanksGoYard and place that first bet. New customers only 21 plus physically present in New Jersey and Connecticut. When you said this earlier, I thought you were going to say 21 plus and physically imposing. For some reason, I've heard this over and over again, and I still thought you were talking like, hey, if you're large and over 21, please gamble responsibly, <laughs> especially you big folks. Gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey or 888-789-7777 in Connecticut. Valid one offer per customer. Minimum $5 deposit, $5 wager required. Rewards issued is not withdrawable. Bonus bets and expire seven days after being awarded. See full terms at DraftKings.com. <laughs> Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers couple funsies to wrap up. Um, this isn't even really, we don't even really have to talk about this, but if the bullpen is going to be this uh, weird with like Ryan Weaver and, and Nick Ramirez, it's, I always want to call him Nick Martinez too. He's not, he's not the Padres reliever. He's Nick Ramirez. Um, if it's going to be this weird, why, why haven't we seen Matt Crook yet? Who's, who's gone 15 and a third innings and struck out 29 people with a 1.17 ERA. Oh. I need to, I need to look at the splits just to confirm this is still accurate. Yep. Still accurate. So he yeah. pitched again over the weekend, uh, Matt Crook against lefty batters. He has faced, uh, let's see, he's walked six of them. So that's not ideal. Uh, but that he's retired 18 of them. So he's faced 24 lefty batters and they are Oh, for 18 against him with six walks and 15 strikeouts. He has still yet to allow a hit to a left-handed batter this year. Oh, he must be getting killed by righties. Not so. Nine and a third innings, five hits. He walked six of them, too. He hit one of them, and he struck out 14. That's a one one whip against lefties, 1.18 against righties. Righties hitting 156 off him. Lefties hitting 0, 0, 0. He's got a 1.17 ERA. I'm not going to sit here looking in the face and say the walks are great. The walks are not great. He walks, guys. 
He's walked 12 and 15 into third innings. It's Ron Marinaccio, who's kind of the definition of elite reliever from time to time, but with a significant walk problem, has walked like 10 in 25 innings. It's not the same. It's quite bad. Mm -hmm. That said, six hitless innings against lefties combined is very impressive, and I'd rather see him uh, than, uh, than Ramirez up here. Although I know Ramirez can take care of a baseball game. He can put a baseball game to sleep. He doesn't play with his food like the other Yankee relievers who I screamed at all Oakland series. Uh, you got a four-run lead in the ninth against the Reds. I know he's going to be able to get the job done and eventually put this game to sleep. But Crook has higher upside for sure. 100%. Uh, the walks are pr- the walks in command are probably what's holding them back if they're going to start somebody's service time clock, I think. Here's where I'll defend the Yankees. If they're not sure he's ready... Don't start the service time clock and then do the classic jerk in between MLB and AAA like you, you know, I think they maybe got a little little ahead of themselves with Weissert, maybe, mm-hmm. or maybe Weissert just um, kind of couldn't handle. I don't know. I, I don't know what the deal is with Greg. I hope uh, he's figuring things out, but maybe that was the cautionary tale that the Yankees kind of learned from last year. Right now, they're getting through what they have to get through. Um, and if they can buy some more time with Crook and have him pitch a little bit more efficiently in terms of location against minor league pitching, then they can call him up and feel comfortable about it. Cause the last thing you want is shuttling this guy back and forth between the Bronx and Scranton. We've seen so many nightmare stories with that. Um, so I'm on board with giving him a chance, but I'm also understanding if the Yankees are going to be a little hesitant here because, I don't know why or how, but the bullpen situation has worked. If, you know, Nick Ramirez is not the most impressive, but 2.45 ERA, 3.84 whip and seven and a third. I, I that's, that's, that's okay to me. Um, and he's doing it against major, major league hitting. Jimmy Gordero keeps pitching like he's pitching. They let Ron Marinaccio work out these, these kinks. They keep using up Albert Abreu as best they possibly can until his yeah. time is over. I get it. I get what they're trying to do here. Um, so I, I, I would like to see Matt Crook. Those numbers are unbelievable. Yes, the, the lefties can't touch him. But you know what happens when people come to MLB. It's a little bit of a different story. So I'll uh, I'll back the Yankees here. But I I, I do want to see the guy. I want to. I, I think we should see him this year. I don't know and necessarily think we need him in May. That's where I'm. Uh, going. I I agree with that. And look, I know myself. There's nothing I hate more than these relievers coming up and playing with their food. The last guy in your bullpen probably shouldn't be a rookie. Yeah. That guy's job is to come into games you lead ten two in the seventh and finish the fucking game. Yeah. And that's what yeah. Nick. That's what Nick does. Like mm-hmm. I know. I know he's going to do that. I I know Albert Abreu is going to do that too. I I, I like. I I don't think it's going to be fun. But when we criticize Albert Abreu, it's because he's coming into a 2-2 game with the bases loaded. It's not because he was asked to throw three innings against a bad team in garbage time, and the Yankees, he gives up a solo home run in the eighth, and they win 10-3. Like, I I know Albert Abreu can do that. I don't want to use Matt Crook in that way. I want him to come in and and have high leverage opportunities. That's what Weissert was supposed to do and was unable to do. So, uh, you know, I think you're right, but just giving everybody the heads up that, like, oh, by the way, he's, like, buzzsawing people. Um, And then... Before we go, it's fun to talk about the Yankees' rivals. It's fun to talk about them when they line up um, with the podcast day and they're, like, doing bad things. Shout out to the uh, Red Sox almost took a series in uh, San Diego over the weekend. Or they did take a series, but they almost swept it in San Diego. The Padres have been real bad lately. But yesterday, the Red Sox lost because Corey Kluber was dreadful. And the Padres, all their runs scored. Uh, Rubenetto Odor cleared the bases with a three-run double in the first inning to make it 4 nothing, And then Matt Carpenter hit a two-run shot. Uh, the Padres headline. The Padres have been waiting, waiting, waiting for an offensive breakthrough. Rugnet Odor supplied it. Um, you <laughs> cannot, you can't be doing that. <laughs> Rugnet Odor is extremely uh, not good at this point in time. So you can't be allowing him to supply an offensive revival. Odor and Carpenter yesterday went uh, three for seven with a dinger and seven RBI. So shout out. That's all seven. It's a seven nothing win, and they knocked in seven runs. Uh, but more importantly, the Blue Jays, what the what day is it? It's Monday, May 22nd. When did we stop playing them? Thursday, Thursday. the 18th. They're still going wah-wah baby formula right. on us. Um, Kevin Gossman over the weekend. Uh, we laughed and laughed at the Blue Jays pregame crew 
saying that the Yankees owed well, you owe the Blue Jays three innings because you played six innings of correct baseball and had Domingo Herman throw at the start. Of the, you owe us three innings. And we said, does anybody actually think like this? Like, does anybody who's not doing like a hot take show in the heat of the moment think like this? And then Kevin Gossman said, oh, yeah, in our mind, they owe us three innings because that's Domingo Herman through three innings. What are we talking about? You can hit Herman. You can hit him. You are allowed to hit him. Kevin Gosman's like, Vlad swung at a pitch in the other batter's box. That doesn't usually happen. Maybe don't. Maybe don't swing at a pitch in the other batter's box. Um, and regardless, the concept of owing the Blue Jays a restart because three innings were thrown by Domingo Herman. Games are nine innings long. You tied the game. None of the sequence of events happens if Herman isn't thrown out of the game. You get to face the bullpen for six innings and you take advantage and you tie the game. Then your pitcher throws a cement mixer to Aaron Judge and you can't get any hits with the bases loaded against Ryan Weaver. And that's why you lost. You cannot be going back to the first three innings and you certainly can't be going back to the first three innings of Tuesday's game on Saturday. That's how loser teams become losers. And oh, by the way, the Blue Jays are in last place now. And oh, by the way, John Schneider, uh, he of shut up fat boy fame, forgot the rules of baseball and went to go talk to Alec Manoa to talk him through a jam on Saturday. Only problem is you can't talk to a pitcher twice in an inning without taking him out. The clip of the Blue Jays announcers being like, and they're going to yank Manoa from this game. Oh, wait, no, John Schneider. He doesn't know. Oh, he doesn't want to, but he has to. That's such a bad break. Uh, you, you, yeah, John Schneider has no idea what he's just done. Ignited. You have to know. And the announcers just being like, oh, he was just going to give him a talking to, and now he has to take him out of the game. That's a blunder. It certainly is. And that's a little bit of a karmic payback. The Blue Jays lost in extras on Saturday. They lost 8-3 in extras to the Orioles on Sunday. They swept. Sunday. Oh, yeah. Someday there may come a time when I'm like, oh, man, what a bummer. The Jays weren't able to keep things tighter with the Orioles because now we actually have to compete with the Orioles. Right now, though, I'm I'm laughing. laughing. Very funny. The Jays distracted themselves into a pretzel over all the stuff that had happened last week, concerned themselves with all of the things winning teams don't concern themselves with. And now they're, you know, they're they're enjoying the consequences. Oh, and and Kevin Gossman also said uh, something like, oh, there's nothing you can do about this. But we obviously know the strategies teams use to, you know, you in football, you can ice a kicker and in baseball, you can do what the Yankees did. Talking about the extra long fourth inning that he had to sit through an inning in which. The umpires delayed the game to kick Domingo Herman out of the game. They planned that ejection. (laughs) Is that what you're saying? And then the game, the inning took even longer because Ian Hamilton got injured. So I don't know if Kevin Gossman is saying they faked the Ian Hamilton injury, but uh, he's on the injured list now. So if they faked it, that's pretty far to go to fake, to throw off Kevin Gossman. who's apparently the center of the universe. Ian Hamilton is missing for like 30 games now, <laughs> presumably just to rub it in Kevin Gossman's face. This, look, I mean, the, the, the couple of things that come to mind for the Blue Jays is they willingly downgraded the last like few years. Um, we said at the time, even though Marcus Simeon's contract by the given to him by the Rangers was a little bit pricey, um, it only ended up being $25 million a year, and that was for a top three AL MVP candidate for you know two out of the previous three seasons. Interesting stat that came across my desk on Twitter this morning. Uh, Twitter was like, hey, <laughs> we got one desk. for you to, from the tweet desk. Um, Marcus Simeon has missed eight games since the start of 2019. Only one player over that span has produced more war than him. That would be Aaron Judge. What did the Blue Jays do? They let Simeon walk, understandably. You know, you don't want to pay all that money. Um, But you replace him with a combination of Whit Merrifield and uh, Kevin Biggio. Kevin Biggio has a 20 OPS plus this year um, and a 191 on-base percentage. Uh, Whit Merrifield is obviously playing some outfield, but he fills in at second when needed. Um, Been below average. He is not the same player he was in Kansas City. Um, And then you obviously go back to the Varsho trade. Dalton Varsho, our friend, 78 OPS plus, killed every rally in that Yankee series. Um, And we talked about the Hmm. the Diamondbacks trade last week. If this team had 
Gurriel Jr. And I even would say if you had Teoscar Hernandez here, um, it, it would be better offensively mm. and you would have fewer problems. Kevin Kiermeyer somehow playing out of his mind, 141 OPS plus 317 average. Um, historically, he's never done that. Um, and George Springer's playing terribly. Um, and they added Brandon Belton to the mix, who's playing okay, but that's just not that's not a championship team. So, uh, or that's not a championship move, I should say. Um, they moved Belt yeah. up to the cleanup spot yesterday and demoted Varsho to I mean, that's seven. That's where he has to be batting at this um, point. Yeah. John Schneider said at the, at the same time, it takes a little bit of pressure off Varsho. Uh, Yahoo Sports Today publishes, revisiting the Blue Jays trade for Dalton Varsho. Varsho has struggled so far this season while Lords Gurriel Jr. and Gabriel Moreno are yeah. loving life in Arizona. That's their subhead. I just can't, the incredulousness at Blue Jays fans who couldn't even believe that someone might say that a trade would not be a win for them. What are you talking? How could Dalton Varsho possibly that? There's no way. There's the predictive metrics have never been wrong ever. What are you talking about? And then, oh, look, he's hitting barely over 200 and he's like three for his last 35. And, uh, Again, you can't make a judgment on May 22nd, but you can just remind everybody that it's possible he's not a six-more player. He is, he's been playing the outfield very well. He had a nice stretch in the beginning of the month. But, yeah, I, uh, I, I really think the Blue Jays, I think them, when they let Marcus Simeon walk, I let out a sigh of relief. Obviously, they've, they, they've, done a good job you know i think getting gossman and bassett in this rotation have been awesome for them but um again to assume like alejandro kirk and danny jansen would still continue that output crazy and um what else who else was there well matt chapman's actually playing really well too so yeah i don't know this team again this team has the players the stats are there to kind of support it but um could say the manager is the problem, which is what they thought last year when they fired uh, Charlie Montoya, uh, kicked him out the door for John Schneider, who was apparently more of a player favorite. Um, now it seems like John Schneider is having his assistants uh, take care of his dirty work for him when they're all yelling at the Yankees dugout and yelling yeah. at Luis Rojas. Um, and then he doesn't know the rules of baseball. So good luck to the Jays. That's all I'm going to say. Well, that's a shame. Um, and for all of Anthony Volpe's early warts, I'd still rather have him on the New York Yankees than have him be in Arizona and yeah. have Dalton Varsho playing left field. For New York <laughs> Yankees. Sorry. Um, Varsho on pace for like a 3.5 war season. And like all of that is defense. It's got to be a little more mm -hmm. even evenly split. But yeah. hey, what do I know? I'm just somebody who's been saying this for like three months. And so have you. <laughs> and uh, we're going to keep saying it until uh, we have to amend the take. That is it. For this edition of the Yanks Go Yard podcast, the final Yanks Go Yard podcast about Aaron Hicks, probably, hopefully. Josh Donaldson, you next? I don't know, but we'll find out soon. You can find us on all podcast platforms, mm -hmm. Apple, Google, Spotify, the very best, the best, whatever podcast platform you prefer. We are on it. We're also live on YouTube Mondays and Thursdays, 2 o'clock Eastern time, and other times if we got it. It would have been great if the Aaron Hicks DFA was not saturday at two uh, we probably would have done an emergency aaron hicks pod but happy to talk to you folks today until next time i'm adam weinrib alongside thomas carinante you can find me on twitter at adam weinrib thomas carinante where can the people find you i'm at tommy's underscore takes you can find the both of us at the official yanks go yard twitter account at yanks go yard fs Head on over to yanksgoyard.com we got our bylines there plenty of content you guys are reading this kevin gossman article blowing up right now uh about him complaining uh maybe it's just all 122 of kevin gossman's burners reading it and commenting <laughs> negatively in the comment section we will see though um yeah everyone until next time we'll talk to you on thursday uh enjoy the day off it's been what 18 days 17 days something like that yeah may 4th to may 22nd we, yeah. we those are two off days we played from the 5th through the 21st it's gonna feel great being able to breathe tonight. We got the O's coming in this week. That's a real series. That team is right on the Rays heels. Yep. Um, and if you think the Yankees can't shave off their five and a half game deficit, you think the O's can't shave off their two and a half game deficit. Um, you think the AL East is already done. Cool. Great. Don't watch, but Don't watch. there's definitely a race still to be run here. There is folks. We'll talk to you again to uh, Thursday live right here at 2 PM Eastern. See ya. We'll be here. Will you?
Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.